This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 4, Episode 1. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, October 6th. 2021 as of the recording of this episode i am your host riley bowman joined today by matthew marister what's up sir how are you doing hey buddy (laughs) has it been already like two weeks or so since we last saw each other in person at the guardian conference it has been a while yeah yep it's gone by fast i only wish we weren't so busy we could have just like hung out more yeah you know we didn't we didn't get to any like personal hangout time to talk we were it was extremely busy but yeah it's fine nonetheless even you know each day as we'd get back to the hotel i think everyone would just go to their room and <laughs> <Man>. pass out <laughs> i did i did i'm not gonna lie <laughs> although we did enjoy a uh you know just for folks as i guess fyi we, we took the team out to dinner on the last day the evening of the last day we got done and went to dinner and that was an awesome time because we just all were able to relax finally so it, it was good we enjoyed it yep. anyway um people will probably get tired of hearing about the guardian conference but uh, i don't care today guys we are doing justified saves for this episode or dgus that's another name for what we're going to be talking about today defensive gun uses uh, we refer to them as justified saves because lives are saved by the use of justified deadly force when it is warranted and called upon. So we are going to share with you the last two months worth of stories, actually, since we missed this episode last month. We're, we apologize for that. But here we are. We are back with more justified saves. we got a bunch lined up for you today. Lots of good lessons to be learned And as is common with these stories as well, you will notice some common themes that develop throughout today's episode, because it just seems to be that way a lot of times. But first, today's episode is sponsored and brought to you by Excess Sites. Yes, Excess Sites is our title sponsor. You hear their name mentioned at the beginning of every episode now, but uh, we're also wanting to let you know i got an exciting bit of news to share with you all that we have a special discount code now available for podcast listeners that wasn't previously available so if you guys want to use the common coupon code that we use for a lot of different things cc podcast stands for concealed carry obviously cc podcast will save you 15 percent off of products on XS Sites website. What is their website? XSSites.com. X as in X marks the spot. And then two S's for sites. XSS and then IGHTS.com. XSSites.com. Go use coupon code CC Podcast. They'll see that. They will appreciate you for ordering and buying from them, which will tell them, hey, let's continue supporting the Concealed Carry Podcast. So, guys, thank you for supporting our sponsors. Also, today's episode is sponsored by CCW Safe, sporting their T-shirt here today. I'm a proud Ultimate Plan member of CCW Safe. And also, I use 
a related product, FTA oh, over here on my hat. FTA Protect is another, it's a, a sub product, if you will, of the same family of companies. Guys, CCW Safe is where it's at, uh, I believe, for the best concealed carry or self defense, quote unquote, insurance, that type of coverage. Uh, what are they going to do for you? Well, they will, first of all, if you're involved in an incident, you'll have a hotline, a number you can call. I've got my ultimate plan member coin right here. Check that out. And the number's right mm-hmm. on the back. You call the emergency hotline, you're going to be instantly connected with one of their people. They will give you, they'll, they'll advise you right then and there as far as what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. And they're going to immediately get you connected with an attorney. And not only that, in the worst of cases, in the really bad cases, especially if a trigger has been pulled and somebody's bleeding as a result of your actions, which again, should be justified, right? They will send out a team to you to help you out. All right. That, and that's, that's super huge and super valuable. They have a, an actual response team that will come to you and will help you navigate the muddy waters that follow an act of self-defense, uh, deadly, uh, deadly use of force. So, uh, guys, check out ccwsafe.com. Use the coupon code CCPODCAST to save 10% off a of membership. That saves you quite a bit, all right, especially off an ultimate plan. They also have the Defender's Plan and the Protector's Plan. They also have a uh, HR218 uh, Leosa plan, in case you weren't aware. So, uh, for those of you that maybe retired law enforcement or otherwise qualify under Leosa, check that out, guys. Go to ccwsafe.com. We appreciate them for being very, very supportive sponsors of the Concealed Carry Podcast. So, Matthew. Yes, sir. Justified Save Stories. Awesome. What's our leading story today? Yeah, our leading story. This uh, this happened back in September 2nd, and, and we were kind of talking before we went to the recorded version. But uh, we've been – this is the first Justified Saves episode in – two months and normally we hit one every month. So this happened back in September on September 2nd. So a little over, uh, you know, our window of time for this month, but it is an important story. Nonetheless, you probably have heard it. Uh, Onondaga County district attorney says the man saved lives of several individuals after fatally shooting a man who fired into the crowd. Yeah. I, there's not a lot of details on this story, um, but uh, I mean, that's pretty much what happened here. You had this individual who was armed, made threats towards this crowd of people, and then fired shots. It didn't really specify how many shots were fired. It didn't even say whether anybody was injured, uh, at least that I recall seeing. So that's very unfortunate. But here's the thing. This is Syracuse, New York, mm-hmm. right? Syracuse Police Department, uh, actually, excuse me, it was the district attorney's office, actually said the actions of the man who responded with deadly force in defense likely saved several lives. Mm -hmm. But are you going to see this hitting the major news networks? No. Are you going to see this land on the FBI's reports of, uh, of mass shooters and see how a good Samaritan here saved lives of others? Probably not. Uh, The man that used deadly force in defense of these people had a valid pistol permit for his nine millimeter handgun. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So he was a legally possessing individual. Uh, he used a legal self-defense, okay, use of force here, and saved lives. Really, really, really awesome story. So, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, these types of stories, it's important because the narrative always around firearms, and I'm, I know we're preaching to the choir here, but um, is always that they're, they're used um, far greater percentage they're used uh, in nefarious contexts, right? Like homicides or, or uh, accidental shootings or, or this or that. And quite often we see people using firearms defensively um, in stories that make the news, but oftentimes not even reported because there's no shots fired or um, just local news covers it and they don't really cover it at all. Just guy defended himself and, um, that's about it. It's a one liner. And so I think it's important to highlight, especially these types of situations that could uh, like almost, it's almost hard to argue that this wouldn't have been worse had someone not intervened at that moment. You know, uh, we could, what if a lot of situations, but this is, is it's sort of hard to say a guy firing rounds in d- indiscriminately into a crowd would have stopped on his own you know, because he values human life or, or whatever. Um, he was stopped because somebody stopped him. I think, I mean, but who knows, but I thought it was important to pull this back, even though it's, uh, you know, from September 2nd, September 3rd timeframe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I did find to be unfortunate about this particular story is it did, it did say that, um, that the man that shot the violent man here, the man that, uh, the criminal here uh, and other witnesses to the incident apparently have received threats and suffered property damage in what police believes to be retaliation. So that's, uh, that's unfortunate, you know? Uh, yeah. That's one of the dangers of, especially involving yourself in what could be a high profile incident, even if you are justified. And even if, the district attorney, the prosecutor, even if the courts find you to be completely justified in your actions, there may be others in the community that may not like that or appreciate that, or there might be racially motivated issues at hand as well. So just be, um, it's just good. It's just a good idea to keep that in the forefront of our minds. Like if we can avoid getting involved in situations, um, you know, it's, it's something to consider. All right. Now, I'm not saying this man like this man likely saved lives as we talked about. So like, that's awesome. Uh, I'd rather it come. You know, I, I, I think that he did the right thing, but we got to be prepared for sometimes the other repercussions that may arise from our involvement, especially in other people's problems. Mm-hmm. Next up story out of Memphis, Tennessee. <sighs> This one makes me really angry, mm-hmm. all right? Because this is something we talked about so many times in this podcast, and I know that not, not everybody listens to the show, um, but I'll say this much. Before I go into the story, I might get a little bit fired up. Folks, if you would, please, please share the Concealed Carry podcast with your friends, neighbors, family, coworkers, anybody that you think, anybody that owns a gun or carries a gun, or might have a gun at home for home defense purposes, like they should be listening to Concealed Carry Podcast because 
we bring you stories like this next one specifically to help you understand why we preach what we preach on this podcast. All right. One of those things is we don't shoot at shapes, shadows, and sounds. The triple S disease, as Jacob has coined the phrase. And we don't go we don't go looking for problems, even within our own home, if it can be avoided. Okay. We've talked about that many times. All right. There are smarter ways of doing things. Here's the story. Memphis, Tennessee, a Memphis man is charged with reckless homicide after his daughter was shot and eventually died from what the police have said was a tragic turn of events. According to Memphis Police Department, 31-year-old William Oliver was checking his house for intruders early Friday morning. When the mother's when the child's mother alerted him to a noise. Oliver checked the bedroom closet, it says, and when he slid back the door, saw a silhouette and fired one time. Standing in the closet was his eight-year-old daughter, who was struck in the upper left chest. Her mother rushed her to the hospital, where she unfortunately succumbed to her injuries. And uh, the father here was charged with one count of reckless homicide. You have an entire family here destroyed by a very poor decision. You have a innocent child with much potential dead. And you have the father of this family who's likely going to end up behind bars. Because he felt he needed to go out and search his home with gun in hand and didn't have the discipline to as to how to handle himself with that gun. Okay. One of our first priorities when we're dealing with what might be some kind of incident or intruder in our home is making sure that those that we care about are secure. All right. Now things can change, right? Just because you check on a child and they're in one place doesn't mean that they might not be in a different place later on, but you should have a plan in place. If you think that there truly is an intruder in the home, there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. One of the most common things that we talk about in this podcast is what we call isolating the family and defending the room. Okay. And that, 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 that terminology can be used quite broadly. For instance, you might have a bunch of rooms clustered together in your home. And if you have a hallway leading to those bedrooms, that hallway might be the only point of entry and, and therefore the only thing you need to be concerned about defending. And you might not necessarily need to consolidate all the family members into one room. Right, So by isolate the family, defend the room, doesn't necessarily mean we have to get everybody in one room, but in one part of the house can work if, we, if there's limited access to a part of the house. Some homes have bedrooms spread across the home. I'll, I'll be honest with you, as nice as it sounds a lot of times for parents to have space between their room and their kids' rooms, I actually specifically in a home look for rooms clustered together. Because it's easier to defend, but that doesn't—that's—that's that's not always what we're 
all, that's not what we're, we're not all able to, to do that. Um, maybe you don't even have much choice in where you live or what you, you, know, you there's always compromises. Well, I wanted this, but we couldn't get that, you know, and get these other things we needed in our home. So if you got bedrooms spread out throughout a home, you need to have a plan for how you're going to deal with things. All right. Here's another thing. You need light. You must have light. You've got to have light. It's specifically said here, he shot at a silhouette in a closet that implies that it was dark. And the thing he shot at was dark. We need, we must have light. And the way to go throughout the home is not with a weapon mounted light on your gun, pointing at everything that you're searching for with that weapon mounted light. Okay. It's, as you see the comment come up all the time in various online forums. Well, I have a weapon mounted light on my, on my home defense gun, but not on the one I carry. Well, why do you have that weapon mounted light? Well, because I might need to, you know, search and things. And so I need a light on my gun. That's the wrong attitude to have. Now, there's no doubt that there can be benefits to weapon mounted lights, but you need to know how to properly use them. And you need to be familiar with accepted tactical practices. Um, it makes me very frustrated to read about stories like this that could have been completely and totally avoided. And even just using a little bit of critical thought ahead of time, just the smallest a bit of, of planning. And you could quickly recognize that the way that this man is going about searching his home was not the smartest way to do so because of the potential of stumbling upon one of his loved ones in the dark. So guys, put together a plan and get it flipping figured out. That's all I got to say about it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. I've remained quite calm because <laughs> internally, I'm actually very, very upset. Well, you know, in, in preparing for these uh, episodes, I always pull the, the, the uh, articles, the, the, the stories to put in and include. And, you know, I always, I, I, I have a duty and responsibility to put these stories in there because I'm not going to paint this rosy picture of gun ownership that nothing ever goes wrong and that people are always responsible and mistakes aren't made because they happen. And the only way we're going to address this is by, and I know, you know, the listeners that are conscientious listeners to the podcast, they are like, I've heard this every single defensive gun use episode. You guys harp on this. Well, we do because it, it continues to happen and everybody needs to be reminded and everybody needs to hear. And we have a bunch of new gun owners and um, there are no second chances. There are no redos. And we got to think we have firearms and, and people will say, well, I have it to protect myself and my family to protect life. Right. If you have a firearm to protect life and you don't do things that <laughs> that go along with protecting life and you do things um, uh, half cocked or, or um, uh, you know, emotionally or not using best practices, then you don't, you're not really concerned about protecting life. You're concerned about doing it your way. And, you know, I, when I was getting these stories together the other day, I, I reminded me of an article I wrote um, like 
2018 um, about this very thing about searching your home and in uh, unnecessary um, times and things like that, right? When it, when it's not called for, and how much backlash like I got when I wrote that, and people were like, "Oh, you don't care." So I kind of reworked it when I was looking at this and republish it and. I'm not going to say who commented this. This is just one of the comments on the on the post. But it said the question was, should you search your home for the bad guy? The response was yes. Don't you want to protect your family? Let criminals get away with whatever they want. This is what's wrong with society. No, sir, you're wrong. I'm sorry. There is right and there's wrong. You're wrong. This is not what's wrong with society. Um, by interjecting your emotions into this, should you search the bat for the house for the bad guy, you've completely eliminated reading an article that people that I've taken time to study and look at this topic and give you best practices so you can avoid situations like this. Um, but when our emotions and our ego are involved, we get, you know, I can do whatever I want and I'm not going to let the bad guy do anything to me. And, and, and this is my house. And this is what happens. And I'm not saying that's what happened with this guy who shot his daughter. I don't have any ill will towards the guy. I, I, my heart breaks for him, for his wife, for the family. Um, but we have to address these things. And I, you know, I, I think we spend a lot of time on this, but it just is one of those situations that we cannot, like, we cannot just gloss over it. It's mm -hmm. so important. So important. Yes. And I appreciate your, you sharing your thoughts as well. Wow. Yeah, we did spend a lot of time on this one story, but I mean, in the course of this podcast, how many other similar stories have we shared? Can't keep track. Too many of them. Mm -hmm. So seriously, folks, for the benefit and safety of those you care about and those in your lives, uh, please share the podcast and share these lessons with others where you can, please. Because we that's 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 one of the big reasons why we do what we do is to get this kind of information out there so people are aware of it and people are thinking about it and asking those tough questions about what would I do in situations such and such. Mm -hmm. Got to ask those questions. You got to plan for those contingencies and <clears throat> what can go wrong and all of that. Got to figure it out, and that's called putting together a plan. A home defense plan is a really good good thing to to to, to have in place, and and actually just. Because we're talking about it, at, and it's been a while since we've probably brought it up, but folks, go check out our our pretty extensive online and DVD uh, training course called um, Complete Home Defense. What's that? Complete Home Defense. Complete Home Defense. Thank you. <laughs> My mind just went blank for <laughs> a second. I think if you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash chd for complete home defense. I believe that'll take you right to a page where you can order that if you'd like. All right. And I suggest that you do. Fox4KC.com, a story out of Grandview, Missouri. And the title of it here is Gunman Shoots Customer Who Tried to sh Stop Robbery at Grandview 7 Eleven. Matthew, give us a rundown on this one. Yeah. So, uh, Two guys enter a 7-Eleven uh, with firearms. They're robbing the uh, the cashier. And a guy comes in, tries to intervene, um, and gets in a, gun, a, a shootout with uh, the robbers. He gets shot. It's not clear if either of the two bad guys get shot or anything like that because they flee. 
and um, our good guy or or guy, good Samaritan who intervenes um, is shot. He's taken to the hospital, expected to survive. But um, this is one of those things where, you know, we have to know, just like you were talking about, Riley, like we have to understand, like, what are the consequences if I do A or B? Um, and, you know, what are the potential outcomes? Um, being shot is always a, a potential outcome when you get involved in a, in a shootout. Um, not saying that he did anything wrong. Um, additionally, you know, maybe, you know, and I, I don't know, this is all the information we have, but knowing your ability and your, your, your um, ability to take on two armed sub suspects and, and, and be able to, uh, if I'm going to intervene with deadly force, am I going to be able to eliminate, you know, them from being able to use deadly force against me or somebody else by my intervention um, on my own? That may be the case here. It may not. Um, maybe it was a miscalculation. Maybe, you know, it, he just um, underestimated the, the threat, but we need to know our um, ability and limitations and also the capability or, uh, you know, have a good estimation of what are these people able to do um, if I don't get effective hits right away? What's what's the potential outcome? Are they going to start executing people? Am I going to get shot? All that. But uh, interesting story um, seems to have stopped the, the robbery, but this guy ended up getting shot. Thank God that he's going to survive. Yeah. yeah, he's very fortunate. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. It's like my, my grandmother, grandmother used to always say, you pick up the end of one stick, you pick up the other end, right? Meaning that you got to own, you like, you buy the consequences for every action. Uh, you elect to intervene in a robbery. You don't get to choose the outcome of that. Now there's a lot of things we can do tactically that can sway things in our favor. And, uh, you know, things like a high degree of skill can sway things in our favor, but there's never a guarantee. Everybody, everybody, everybody can have a bad day and even criminals can get lucky, right? So there's no guarantees that you're going to emerge on the other side unscathed. Um, in this case, this is likely a situation where this man didn't have to intervene, but he chose to. So like good for him, like for being willing to do so, I suppose. But says he tried to intervene. He grabbed he grabbed his own weapon. I don't know what went wrong, but he clearly did not succeed. I mean, well, he succeeded, I guess, in stopping this, right? But part of measuring success is 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 preservation of our own life. Like number uh, numero uno, right? Is is a thing. Like this this could it, it is fortunate he survived, but it, he might not have, right? Mm -hmm. Says the gunman got away before police arrived. They don't even know who they are. They don't have a description of either sus suspect. Don't know if they were struck by the exchange of gunfire that occurred. We don't know how many shots the victim got off, but we know that he got shot and he got injured. So, just things to think about. All right, must, must be the only Seven Eleven in this in the country that doesn't have a surveillance system. Like, how do you not know this stuff? Right, like. Every, uh, I don't know, but anyways, that's fair. I mean, they probably have cameras, but when they say no description, like, you know, these guys could have been masked up pretty good and, mm, and COVID you know, masks. might not, it might just not have given them much to go off of. Right. Two men dressed all in black with black hoodies and masks over their faces. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> so, 
here's an interesting one. Um, and actually, you wrote this article, Matthew, so you should probably talk about it a little bit. But the article on our on our site at concealedcarry.com is called, Can You Shoot a Peeping Tom? The Fear Factor, it says here. Mm-hmm. The story is, I'll just kind of give the, the short version, and then I'll let you expand upon this. But what happened was uh, in Texas, a woman was late on a Friday night. She uh, heard some noise, looked out her window, and saw an unknown man outside her, her home. Uh, she said that the man was looking at her through the window. She armed herself with a rifle and shot several rounds at the man from inside her bedroom. The man was struck a number of times and died at the scene. She claimed she shot the man in self-defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on those details, there's just a dude standing outside, <laughs> and she shot him. I don't know. I mean, you, you obviously you wrote this whole article and provided a bunch of analysis. Uh, what, what's your take on all this? Give us yeah. A cover here. The, the, so we get a lot, a lot of times we're talking about stories or, or incidents where people shoot through the door, right? Like somebody's outside their door, they shoot through the door, they shoot through a window or they shoot through a wall or something at something. Um, and the reason why I decided to like kind of dive into a single incident and write about it was number one, we see a lot of those types of things happening. And number two, a lot of times people will get involved in shootings and then they'll say, um, well, make sure that you say that you were in fear of your life. Like if, as long as you say that you're good, like that, that's the key phrase. You got to say that you were in fear of your life. And there, and so the reason why I said the fear factor was, the justification for this shooting, and there's not a ton of detail in the, at least this was in September 14th when I wrote it. And I haven't seen any updated information uh, that came out, but basically she was in fear of her life because the man was outside and she was unsure what he could do. Like, I don't know what he was there to do. He wasn't there. You know, he wasn't invited. I didn't know. He could have been a guy who wanted to climb in and rape me. He could have been a guy that wanted to murder me. I don't know. It could have been an ex. And so everybody starts chiming in. Well, could be an ex-boyfriend. It could be this. I've seen this happen. And it's like, she was in, I, I, I would have been fearful if somebody was outside my window looking in. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have locked doors and windows. Like, because, you know, we want to have some sort of standoff distance between the weirdo who's outside your window. Fear alone isn't enough to go and shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know. There may be other information that comes out about this case that makes it a legitimate shoot. And it may be the DA decides, hey, this is not a great shoot, but we're not going to prosecute. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's really irrelevant. The point is, is that if you're going to use deadly force to protect your, yourself, you can't just say, I was in fear of my life because I don't know what the person was going to do. And therefore, it's justified. The, the, there, there has to be other elements that that meet the criteria of uh, that threat being you know, immediate that you can't get away, that they have the opportunity and the ability. And, the, and, and, and there's, there's a lot more that goes into it than just saying, Hey, I, w- I was in fear of my life. And, um, and, and you can't just say like, I don't know what the person was, was going to do. He could have been a rapist. Well, 
I don't know. That's true. He could have been, but he could have been a, a, a drunk person who was just walking around trying to find out how to get into his home that he thought that this was his home or or whatever. He could have been that, or he could have been mentally disabled or a a you know person with dementia that's wandering around the you know the, the neighborhood trying to find his way back home. Does that mean that it's okay to shoot him? No. Like that's why we have to have other um other information before we just crank off rounds especially through things at people um that are outside our home mm-hmm. and so um that's you know if, if you want to know more you know i don't i don't i'm not going to rehash the whole article you can read it. it's on the on the website but um this kind of ties into several of the other stories we're going to talk about as far as shooting from inside your home outside through walls and doors and things like that mm-hmm yeah um the only way i could see something and i'm going to be straight with this the only way i could see this really being justified as if she could clearly articulate that this man was standing out there with a projectile firing weapon of some kind and that he was aiming at her or getting ready to shoot her because how else do you define this as being a threat? Like there's got to be some kind of threat and there's, there, there is just no threat here. There is a comment here in the article. Somebody said that they heard from a source that <clears throat> he was out there watching her and committing a sexual act while doing so. So, so what? I mean, it's not legal. Of course we understand that. But to use deadly force, where's the threat? Where's the threat? Anyway, some some things to consider there. Uh, we've uh, also on the podcast covered a number of times situations where people fired through barriers, windows, doors, walls, etc. Um, it often does not go well for those involved. Okay, and if you don't get charged with something, it's because you got lucky. Okay. So don't do it. Now, you put that story, by the way, under a section in our show outline today titled Shooting at Things Outside Your Home. And we actually have a collection of three other stories that fit in this category where people shot at people outside their home. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, so here's, or well, or the situation started outside a home. Here's a situation where it, it was kind of similar, but this is what we would refer to as a good example versus the bad one that we just covered. This, according to the Sacramento Bee, uh, a resident shoots and kills man who broke into home, California police say. Uh, it says that uh, around 4.15 or 4.20 a.m., this happened a few weeks, actually about a month or so ago, um, there was extreme banging. All right, One of the neighbors said it sounded like it was in our backyard. Other neighbors heard a man swearing. And they said that he'd been around the house for like 20 minutes, then came around to the front, broke the front door down, and that's when he entered the house. At that point, uh, neighbors said that, and police responding to reports of the disturbance heard a shot. A resident of the home fatally shot the intruder who was found dead inside. That man's name has not been released. He, he says that he may have been mentally ill or intoxicated. All right. 
Um, not that that would necessarily be relevant to the specific circumstances of this of this case, but here's a situation very different from the one we just shared, right? The one we just shared a moment ago was a woman that saw a man outside her window looking in and then she shot him out while she's inside and he's outside. This is one that started out with a very clear disturbance of some kind outside the home, a stranger outside the home banging around on the home itself, swearing up a storm, really raising a ruckus in the early, early morning hours of, of this particular day. And whoever was inside that home did not do anything other than I, I imagine they probably called 911. Uh, and obviously they armed themselves. Okay. But they didn't take any action towards this individual until he broke down their door and came in. Very, very different. So this was a situation that began outside the home, but then when it went into the home, when that person, when that potential threat went into the home, then that's when deadly force came into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to, you know, you make a, a, a great um, dis- distinction, right? Like, could this person had sh- have shot this person who was um, break? Who could the homeowner have shot this intruder as they were breaking down the door? Yeah, they didn't have to wait until they breached the door and were running and hacking them with the knife and say, "Okay, now I'm okay." Um, but they had the ability to get they they used the locked door and and the security of their home to say that gives me time to get to a position where I can observe the door, or I can have standoff distance where they have to come down a hallway or whatever. So if they breach the door before the police get here, or, or if they breach the door and get inside, I have the ability, the upper hand to distinct, to um, determine how this is going to end. Like I can now shoot rounds before they can reach me rather than shooting rounds through the door. Uh, because I think that they might be trying to break in the door or might be trying to get in, or I don't know what they're intention is who knows i'm just going to crank off rounds um they showed great restraint throughout this process where uh, or throughout this incident where i am sure that this person could have said well i feared for my life when the guy was pounding on the door in the back you know in the back of the house and didn't even get around to the front of the house he was there for 20 minutes i'm sure that the person inside the home was fearful of their life right that's why they armed themselves and got to a a position a, a good position but so so this is where you know fear alone isn't substantial or isn't um enough for us to use deadly force against a threat um so I thought I, I, that's why I included it because this shows that restraint and and why how you know this is cut and dry. Yeah, everybody's going to say this is this is a justified use of force. Whereas the other one, you're going to have people jumping through hoops to try to say, well, you know, we think it was okay and this and that. I wouldn't want to be on that. I wouldn't want to have to you know do some magic trick to uh, to make people believe that my uh, my use of force was justified. So. All right, so that was an example of a good use of defensive, justified, deadly force. Back to a less than ideal example. All right, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to take this story. Yeah, and then go I'll for hand it. Off the final example from this <laughs> series of stories to you. This one's out of Texas, Fort Worth area. 
um, a Fort Worth man, it says, shot a Texas state trooper, and he is facing no charges after learning a plainclothes man outside his door uh, and who had followed him home in what he thought was an act of road rage was, in fact, a law enforcement officer. In an interview, Russell King said he and his wife, Myra, were driving home when he saw two pickups that appeared to be racing behind him. This is kind of a bizarre story. Okay. So two pickups that he described as racing behind him, they came flying by at a high rate of speed. He said one of those vehicles exited the highway and the other ended up right in front of them. This uh, man, uh, Russell King says at that point, he saw the driver of this pickup in front of him, visibly look in his mirror shake his head, and then that's when he brake-checked me. It was very deliberate. So, And then at that point, he said he, he thought it was road rage, especially when this driver in this pickup now started chasing him, even into a Walmart parking lot, it then says. That's where I saw him giving me the finger. Concerned for his safety and that of his wife, he sped away through traffic, but the driver kept coming. He, he was going into oncoming traffic and made a bus swerve, Russell King said. He said he did notice some flashing lights in the grill of the truck, but didn't think, of any, didn't think anything of it at the time. He said they didn't appear to be very official. So when they felt like they finally lost this man in the pickup truck, they got home, backed into their garage, and immediately called 911. Not sure why they waited so long to call 911. So I will just throw that out there, like, he had his wife with him. Like she could have easily been on the phone during the entirety of this event and it would have been wise to do so. So just something to think about there, Russell, if you're listening, (laughs) Um, he says, I've never been so scared in my life. I really felt, Oh wait, hold on. I jumped ahead here. A few minutes later, the man in the same pickup pulled up in front of their house. He said he watched on his live camera system as this man pulled out what he thought was a gun and then approached the house and knocked loudly. This is where he said, I've never been so scared in my life. I really felt as if he were there to harm my wife and I. Please go away. We called 911, he said he, that he and his wife yelled. The camera captured what happened next. King, Russell King, shot through the door. The man was hit in the shoulder and ran. At this point, uh, police arrived, and they took Russell King into custody, handcuffed him, put him in the back of a squad car and informed him, you just shot a state trooper. All right. He said that there was no identification. There was no vest, no badge, just a brown shirt and jeans. Turns out this is an undercover special agent uh, in the state of Texas. For whatever reason he had, I mean, it doesn't explain the actions of this police officer. Not even close. I can't even imagine what was going on there. And I think that's probably something that should be looked at and investigated on the law enforcement side. Okay. But it also doesn't explain the actions of Mr. King here, who just fired through his door at an unknown man. Now he had justification as far as he saw him on his camera, saw him come up, saw him pull out a gun, didn't see any identification. Uh, the police said that the, this officer did identify himself as far as he yelled police, but Mr. King and his wife, uh, said they did not hear that. 
um, still we're shooting through a door. Mm -hmm. All right. So the thing is, is that I think he's not facing any charges because number one, there's probably some fault on the part of the officer here that was chasing him down. Huge fault. Uh, and, and they're probably hoping that, that not pursuing charges helps, you know, in, in that regard. Um, and technically, I mean, this man was an unknown man. They didn't know who he was, thought he was just a dude. And they did see him approach the house with a gun in hand. Okay. So it, it it's, you can kind of see this and go, well, this seems reasonable, but what's not reasonable is shooting through a door. All right. Plus you still have reasonable degrees of security and safety while you're inside your home. You have a great deal of advantage when you are within the confines of your home, you know, your home, you know, the layout of your home, you should be able to take up a position of relative cover and safety that has advantage over where this individual, should he make entry, like you're probably, you're, you're set up pretty well to survive this incident, right? Cause that man, if he had come into the home, he would have been at huge disadvantage mm-hmm. and likely would have lost in a gunfight. Anyway, point is don't go shooting through doors. All right. Yeah. Not a good idea. Not wise. Call nine one one as soon as you, as soon as you are able to do so. And in this case, I would say definitely they could have called nine one one a lot sooner, and that may have permitted law enforcement to respond a bit sooner, mm-hmm. and could have dealt with the situation sooner and actually gotten ahead of it before shots were fired. Yeah, I mean. Um, if you're listening, you know, check out the show notes because in the show notes, there's a video, the, the surveillance camera, cause they have surveillance, the, the couple have surveillance camera of this, uh, plainclothes officer coming up to the door and they say, it looks like he had a firearm. He's definitely has something in his hand. It's difficult in the video to see if it is a firearm, but you, even if it is a firearm and I'm not saying it is, or it isn't, that's what they claim. Um, when he knocks on the door, pounds on the door, you see him step away. He's two, three, four steps away from the door when he's shot. So he's not making any overt, you know, even if he had a firearm right in his hand or something like that, he's not pointing it at the door. He is not even making menacing gestures or any, anything to connect person with a firearm is there. I mean, I, I understand that this is the same guy that cut him off and was giving him the finger, but at that time, he wasn't like kicking in the door, trying to break in the window or anything. He's standing like a good three, four steps away from the from the front door. So um, check out the video. It, go to the show notes and check out the video. You can make the decision yourself or, or you know, um, contemplate that. But another incident of shooting through things at things that you, you know, believe uh, you're fearful of. True. Um, and maybe this guy and obviously this guy wasn't charged, but I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't base my decisions off of some guy that didn't get charged for doing the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I, I just think it's generally a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Here we go. Here's the uh, video that uh, those of you that are watching oh, the go. video with us here today, so uh, you should be able to see this. 
Uh, so you'll see it yourself. I mean, his description was accurate. He's in, the man is in jeans and a brown shirt, comes up to the door. Um, and as you mentioned, he has something in his hands. Uh, hard to tell exactly what it is. Uh, well, right there, that's a pretty clear view. Yeah, you see that shot right then and there. Actually, you see the hole appear in the door. Bam. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, as I watch this again, I mean, that's pretty clearly a phone and some keys. And then the man just gets shot. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yeah. Um, don't be shooting through doors, guys. Come on. You got to be better than this. It's not smart. It's not wise. It's not good tactics. It's none of that. All right, moving on. Matthew, tell us about this story. Wild video shows Phoenix homeowner shooting at men trying to rob him. Yeah, this is uh, August 17th, so not too long ago, but it made it, you know, the video made its way around the interwebs and all that, um, shared quite a bit. But basically, another surveillance uh, doorbell cam catches uh, these, these uh, I believe it's four men uh, come to this person's door and uh, they're trying to kick in the front door. Um, they actually, and, and, uh, and based on the time frame. So in the video, you see them kind of gather around um, and then two guys kick the door at the same time and immediately it breaks open in almost within second. Um, they start heading back out of the door because rounds are flying, you know, from inside the home towards these guys through the door. Um, so it appears as though this person who has the homeowner inside the home saw this, these guys outside his door, unless he just is that quick and happened to be standing there practicing his draw right in front of the door, because this is instantaneously. Um, but, you know, he didn't go shooting rounds even when he saw the two people or the four people outside his door. He didn't crank, start cranking off rounds outside his door. Um, he actually waited until they breached the door. Um, and so it was, you know, it showed great restraint and obviously, you know, these guys uh, weren't able to complete the crime that they wanted to because he was in a position of advantage. Once again, that they had to come through a small door and I know there are four of them, but if you have a firearm that's capable of, you know, shooting repeatedly um, repeated rounds, every time you pull the trigger, um, those people are going to have to come through the door either one or two at a time, maybe right. If they're really narrow, um, and so that gives you all the advantage in the world, um, rather than just cranking off rounds through the door. So another story kind of driving this point home of like being aware of what you're shooting at, um, not just saying I was fearful of my life and getting to a position of advantage that you can defend appropriately and then, um, kind of control the narrative of what happens, um, in that situation. So. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, uh, pretty gnarly video. I mean, you could tell these guys, this is not the first time they've done something like this. No. You know, like you, you look at how they how they approach. I mean, they're working as a team. I can't just pause it and, and freeze a frame here. But they're wearing gloves, protecting their hands, preventing uh, evidence, you know, uh, from being uh, left behind. Uh, they're armed. You know, the du- one dude's got a shoulder bag, which I'm sure he was intent on filling with items from this person's home. 
I mean, you know, they got a getaway driver, a getaway car. This was this was very well planned and staged uh, as far as home break-ins go. So very, very gnarly. This Phoenix homeowner is very fortunate uh, that they were able to prevail in this incident. But as you mentioned, they did, as far as we can tell, and there's not a ton of details on the story, but from what we can tell, they did everything right. They prepared themselves. They took up a, a position of cover and an av- of advantage, presumably. And as soon as that door was breached, uh, they they did what they needed to do. Uh, so, pretty wild stuff. Yeah. So this is an unfortunate story out of Houston, Texas. All right. So, and and we got this one labeled in our uh, show notes as being a tragic uh, incident. It is one of justified uh, deadly force. Um, this was a Milwaukee individual. It says he was a teen and it did say he was armed. So I don't know if he was 18 or 19 and, and was somehow legally in possession of a, of a firearm, but you had a Milwaukee, uh, young man here killed in Texas. However, uh, after he confronted a robber with hostages, his mom actually moved him from Milwaukee down to Houston, Texas. She said to try to get him away from the violence that was, uh, you know, that he was exposed to in Milwaukee. Unfortunately, uh, this happened uh, what a couple weeks ago, uh, September. Well, yeah, like a week and a half or so ago, September twenty seventh. Uh, he was at a convenience store, walked into it, and or actually, let's see here. Was he part of the, yeah, he saw from outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he did, he went in there. So this man in, entered a, the convenience store and took the store employees as well as all uh, patrons uh, hostage. Uh, there was like two or three employees and like, it says here, five customers and three employees. So this is a pretty serious deal. This man goes in armed with a gun, has eight people hostage. Uh, threatening to shoot anybody who made a move or left, anything like that. He's clearly there to, to rob the place, uh, probably rob them as well in the process. Who knows how far he was willing to go. This young man, his name is uh, Antrell, or Andrell Whitelow, saw what was happening from outside, and he entered with a pistol of his own, it says, and demanded that this hostage taker released the hostages. Unfortunately, he was not intent on doing so. And, uh, this, uh, uh, this robber turned around and shot, uh, Mr. Whitelow, this young man, and he succumbed to his injuries. So, you know, this is a, another story where it's like, well, certainly he was within his right to defend life and to intervene in the, in the defense of these other people, these these uh, third parties, um, we always caution folks against getting involved in third party events. But uh, you know, one of the big reasons being is we don't always know what the complete picture of the incident is. Now, this one may have been pretty clear as to what was happening: a convenience store with people all huddled up in a, in one spot, with a man waving a gun around. You know, that clearly has them hostage. So. Uh, so Andrell Whitelow decides to go in with a pistol and try to intervene. The problem here was probably more of a tactical one. Uh, we don't have a ton of details. We don't, I don't even know that we have a video or anything of this playing out, 
but um, it doesn't seem like he took action right away as far as like trying to shoot this, this robber. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's what we necessarily should do by default is immediately shoot people, but it certainly would have been applicable considering the circumstances of this incident. M- my thought here, Matthew, is that it seems to me, because it says he demanded that the hostages get released. He, he, he actually, what he did in, in probably taking some time to make that, make those demands gave the bad guy time to act. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is if we're going to involve ourselves, we want to try to seize back control of the situation to seize the advantage. And we have to be very cautious and very careful. Like certainly there's a time and a place for issuing warnings and verbal commands, but we have to recognize what those situations uh, are. And, and, and we're also recognize the situations where those are simply going to give away any advantage we might have if we're going to successfully intervene, we don't know what the other party is willing to do. Uh, we, we, we'd like to think that they would negotiate or at least interact in some way, but rather than resort straight to uh, firing shots, but that's not always the case. The other person gets a vote too. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it cost this young man his life. Uh, again, I don't know why he's packing a pistol. It says he was a teen. It actually, I couldn't find in the article, Matthew, where it even said how old he... Oh, wait, there it is. He was 17. Yeah, 17. Okay. I missed that. Wow. So he's he's not legally possessing that pistol. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. So he, he's technically a criminal in that regard, but was trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, But we can do the right things and still be in violation of the law. That happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I commend the kid. I mean, I commend the mom for, you know, recognizing, hey, we're in a bad area. I want to give my my child the best chance of growing up without violence. And and you, he ends up in this horrible situation. Um, how he had the firearm or, or whatnot, you know, that's that's for another you know, discussion because in, in, in that case, maybe he was still in a situation where he was involved in violence or something like that. But I think we have to, um, like if, if we haven't individually, um, been a part of seeing or witnessing violence or studying it, um, I think that we, Sometimes that can lead us, not all times, but sometimes lead us to a misunderstanding of what violence is and what evil is. And um, we don't actually have a response that's appropriate for the situation. We think that pointing a gun at somebody is going to deter them. Uh, we're not willing to pull the trigger or we're, don't we miss, um, you know, we overestimate or underestimate the person's abilities, whether it's with a firearm, a, a weapon, or they're just hand to hand combat um, being punched in the face, what that's going to do to us and stuff. So I think, if if one thing I took from this that maybe um, resonates with somebody is understand what violence is and and that why we want to avoid it at all costs and and that it's not uh, it's not usually what we think it's going to be like on the movies or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I agree with that, Matthew. The next story here is out of San Antonio, Texas. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I have a class that I'm 
hopefully teaching there if we get enough people signed up for it in San Antonio late January of 2022. Uh, Man pulls machete on driver who fatally struck girlfriend on Northside Road, (laughs) San Antonio Police Department says. Woman disregarded red light before car struck and killed her, police say. Yeah, yeah. This is bizarre. Um, So uh, dude's driving along. He's going through a green light, hits a um, woman on a bicycle that is, um, you know, violates his right away, obviously uh, stops right away. And the boyfriend who is with the the girl who got hit on the bicycle um, immediately pulls or pulls out a machete and starts to um, uh, threaten the the driver who just hit his girlfriend. Now, that's kind of like a bizarre situation that you're not expecting somebody is something to happen. Right. Um, Anyways, another driver who stopped in the intersection who witnesses the, the, the incident um, is a concealed handgun uh, license holder. He has his firearm with him and um, issues commands to the, to the guy with the machete Um, ultimately doesn't have to fire any rounds. The guy with the machete, calms down, stops and police arrive and um, he doesn't have to shoot. Guy doesn't get hacked up. And uh, in the article, it says, you know, guy who hit the, uh, the bicyclist is not being charged. She was found to be in violation of the, of the right of way. And, and um, was at fault. And the guy who, um, you know, pointed the firearm at the machete guy, um, he's not being charged. And it appears as though the guy who, you know, um, was threatened with the machete is probably not going to pursue any charges against the, the dude who, you know, was obviously distraught, but, um, could have handled it much, much better. Um, but kind of a bizarre story. Um, three people, four people's lives intersect into some weird, weird way. Mm -hmm. Um, and machetes and guns and all kinds of stuff are coming out. You know what I what I appreciate about this example, and this is one of our justified safe examples uh, today. What I appreciate about this one is the fact that a, a gun defused the situation without shots having to be fired, mm-hmm. and we know that this happens actually more frequently than incidents incidents when shots are fired. So the fact of the matter is, guns are commonly used uh, legally. And in a justified manner to stop threats and to stop situations like this, even without shots being fired. And that's important to recognize. It's both important for the anti-gunners out there to recognize that, hey, more often than not, I, I, I don't know what percentage, but it's probably 90 to 95%, I'd say at least 90% of incidents out there where a gun is used in defense, shots aren't fired. So we should be cautious with the idea, the idea or the attitude of when I draw my gun, I automatically train my finger to fire because that might not necessarily always be the case. Now I'm not saying the guy involved in this incident couldn't have fired. I mean, there was a machete involved, but the nice thing is, is that the per- the presence of the gun was enough to, change the the course of the events here you know uh the man intervened the pistol uh you know again was was 
presented, if you will, and it stopped this attack from going any further. It's unfortunate this woman lost her life, but it, it was because she made a poor choice and she rode right. She basically rode right in front of this car and the car had the right of way. So it uh, wasn't any fault of the driver that was driving the car. But uh, anyway, fortunately, like I said, for him, he was he was carrying, he was armed, or this, this other driver that witnessed it was carrying and was armed and was able to defuse the situation, all without shots being fired. Final story from North Olmsted, Ohio. Was this the Cleveland area, I think? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, I, not, <laughs> not exactly your neck of the woods. Well, that's that's actually like I had a lot of friends that kind of tromped around North Olmsted quite a bit when I was oh. a kid. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 21-year-old woman was shot and killed after police say that she forced her way into a couple's North Olmstead home. According to the police department there, the woman broke into the, into the home uh, just before 11 p.m. Sunday night. This is actually like two weeks ago. Police said the intruder fought with the 72-year-old husband of this home. It was then that his 69-year-old wife grabbed her gun and pulled the trigger, hitting the intruder in the stomach. Uh, so, and then that, that, this, uh, this young, you know, 20 21 year old woman, uh, did succumb to her injuries there. Um, unfortunate incident. Uh, we don't know exactly the motivations of this woman, but, uh, this is a clear cut open and shut case uh, on behalf, you know, in, in the case of these, this older couple, um, this is a, very clear intrusion into the home uh, at nighttime and she fought with the husband. So in almost any state, you're going to meet the threshold for uh, the use of justified deadly force in defense within a home because we've got physical threat against occupants, um, uh, someone that has made unlawful uh, entry into the home. And so, uh, Deathly force was used and someone had to lose their life. And unfortunately, the 69-year-old woman has to live with that. But at the same time, she can live knowing that she successfully defended and, and maybe even saved the lives of her, herself, and her husband. Uh, so, yep, there you go. That's actually the last story that we have for you here today. Yeah, uh, Stuff happens. I don't know. what What's North Olmstead like, Matthew? Is, it, is that a crime-ridden no, it, it's- part of... Cleveland or no, it's a suburb, uh, mostly older, you know, older communities and things like that. And this appears like from the article, it says it's kind of a random thing. They don't, didn't know the suspect. It's not a high crime area. Um, really, you know, maybe petty crimes and property crimes and stuff, but nothing, nothing home invasion like, you know, um, but yeah, seventy-two and a sixty-nine-year-old defend themselves against a a, a woman breaking in and um, have to fight them off, fight her off physically, and then resort to a firearm. I mean, if 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 there's not a reason to own a firearm for you know self-defense, I mean, there you have it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. There we go. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's justified safe stories. Before we let you go, we do need to. Um, announce this week's podcast giveaway winner yes and i'll let you know that this week we are giving away a uh, package of dummy ammo from ready up gear to uh, our lucky winner so very exciting uh, for them 
But uh, next week, we're giving away a free barrel block, uh, caliber of your choice. Uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize is where you can sign up for our weekly giveaways. So make sure you're doing that each week. Uh, have the chance to win. So for our lucky winner of the dummy ammo this week, Matthew, who is that individual? The individual is Brian. He didn't, uh, you know, leave us a last name, but he gave us an email address. So Brian, unknown last name, uh, you are the lucky winner. All right. Congratulations, Brian, on winning the dummy ammo in our podcast giveaway this week. So, guys, one last uh, reminder and shout out to our sponsors today, Excess Sites and CCW Safe. Uh, please support them and go to their websites, excesssites.com and ccwsafe.com. And again, a reminder that we're excited to announce this new discount. Excess Sites came to the table with, uh, actually reached out to Jacob and I earlier this last week and said, hey, we want to make sure your podcast listeners have a discount code. So they gave us one. And again, CC Podcast will save you 15% off Excess Sites products on their website. And the same code. Works on a lot of our other sponsors' websites, including CCW Safe as well. So, guys, thanks again. Appreciate it very much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Jacob and I will be back here in a bit for our second episode that, uh, today. And uh, so, until then, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast